Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the Bible, a chapter at a time, we're eight years in, and uh, we've been doing good. We made it through the New Testament, just under six years, five and a half years, something like that. And we've been working our way now through the Old Testament, a chapter at a time. We've done Genesis, we've done Exodus, and we just launched our study in Leviticus. And if you remember last week when I spoke, uh, or two weeks ago, or I've been traveling three weeks ago. Um, yes. Oh, and so I should thank everybody that filled in Wednesday. Thank you, Pastor Doug, for filling in one Wednesday, and Pastor Regina for taking the last Wednesday. Appreciate you doing that. Um, the, the, so when I was here last week, we did Leviticus 1, and I honestly said to you, I was hoping I could pop into Leviticus and pick out a few highlights, summarize it, and be done with it in one night and move along because it's kind of a long book. But um, there's, here's what you find out when you start to read Leviticus is that it's quoted a hundred times in the New Testament. So it's like, well, that means I just can't move away from it. <laughs> we better look at why it's quoted so heavily. So um, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of stuff that points to Christ in it. That's what you get out of it. There's, there's lots of things that point you in the direction of Jesus. So even though we're no longer under the Levitical system, which is, you know, what this book is really about, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's foreshadowing Jesus, and we can learn a lot from it. And so I think we can, we can get quite a bit out of it. But we are going to do two chapters today um, because they were short chapters, and, and I can sort of um, move through them together. So um, in the first chapter, you know, it was, um, we talked about the burnt offering, and really what's introduced here in the beginning of Leviticus is five offerings that are made to the Lord. And we said that that burnt offering really spoke about, um, uh, you know, what Jesus said was, what he did for us and what that looked like, and um, sort of his total dedication to his movement on our behalf. Uh, in chapter 2, there's a meal offering or the grain offering, which um, really looks at Christ's perfection. And then, uh, uh, and, and for us, it's about our thankfulness for what he's done and for what he's doing. And then the, the, um, the peace offering in chapter 3, they're going to look at, it talks about, you know, our, our desire for peace and, and to be at peace with God and to experience the peace of God. And so that's what's sort of coming up in these chapters and, and what's happening. So with that said, let's go ahead and pop right in. I'm going to go ahead and read Leviticus 2. There's 16 verses, and then I'm just going to jump right into Leviticus 3 and read that, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. I'm reading out of the NIV. Whatever translation you prefer is good with me. And uh, if you have the notes, they're in the NIV, and it might show up on the screen. Verse 1. When someone brings a grain offering to the Lord... His offering is to be a fine flour. He is to pour oil on it and put incense on it and take it to Aaron's sons, the priests. The priest shall take a handful of the fine flour and oil together with all the incense and burn this as a memorial portion on the altar, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons. It is the most holy part of the offering made to the Lord by fire. If you bring a grain offering baked in an oven... Uh, it is to consist of fine flour, cakes made without yeast and mixed with oil, or wafers made without yeast and spread with oil. If your grain offering is prepared on a griddle, it is to be made of fine flour mixed with oil and without yeast. Crumble it and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. 
If your grain offering is cooked in a pan, it is to be made of fine flour and oil. Bring the grain offering made of these things to the Lord, present it to the priest who shall take it to the altar. He shall take out the memorial portion from the grain offering and burn it on the altar as an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the offerings made to the Lord by fire. Every grain offering you bring to the Lord must be made without yeast. If you are not to burn any yeast or honey in an offering made to the Lord by fire. You must bring them to the Lord as an offering of the first fruits. But they are not to be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma. Season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. If you bring a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, offer crushed heads of new grain roasted in the fire. Put oil and incense on it. It is a grain offering. The priest shall burn the memorial portion of the crushed grain and the oil together with all the incense as an offering made to the Lord by fire. That's chapter 2. And really, chapter 2 needs no discussion at all because it makes perfect sense. That was sarcasm. <laughs> In case you didn't know. Leviticus chapter 3, 17 verses, beginning in verse 1. If someone's offering is a fellowship offering, and he offers an animal from the herd, whether male or female, he is to present before the Lord an animal without defect. He is to lay his hand on the head of his offering and slaughter it at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's sons, the priest, shall sprinkle the blood against the altar on all sides. From the fellowship offering, he is to bring a sacrifice made to the Lord by fire, all the fat that covers the inner parts or is connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins, and the covering of the liver, which he will remove with the kidneys. See, doesn't this make you thankful for Jesus? That's what should be happening right now. You should be going, oh, Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done for us, that we don't have to... <laughs> Then Aaron's sons that are burned on the altar on top of the burnt offering that is on the burning wood is an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. If he offers an animal from the flock as a fellowship offering, or that could be peace offering, just so you know, to the Lord, he is to offer a male or female without defect. If he offers a lamb, he is to be present, he is to present it before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on the head of his offering and slaughter it in front of the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood against the altar on all sides. From the fellowship offering, he is to bring a sacrifice made to the Lord by fire. It's fat. The entire fat tail cut off close to the backbone. All the fat that covers the inner parts is connected to them. Both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins. And the covering of the liver, which he will remove with its kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made to the Lord by fire. If his offering is a goat, he is to present it before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on its head and slaughter it in front of the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's son shall sprinkle its blood against the altar on all sides. From what he offers, he is to make this offering to the Lord by fire. All the fat that covers the inner parts or is connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins, and the covering of the liver, which he will remove with the kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire, a pleasing aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Wherever you live, you must not eat any fat or any blood. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so that's uh, Leviticus will be very strange, and uh, we'll talk about it as we go. And Numbers will be um, strange and boring. 
but that's okay. But we're going to make it through. So that the, the second offering that we're, we're talking about in chapter 2, um, the grain offering or the meal offering, um, as you know, some of the translations, it's a grain offering. But, but really, the grain offering um, is, is about being thankful. Uh, and and it's in response to the realization for, for us, for, the, for them at the time, it was a, in response to being, you know, atoned for and having their sin covered temporarily. For us, it's in response to all that Jesus has done for us, like even reading that, you know, the fact that we don't have to take an animal and take it to the temple and lay our hand on it and why we have our hand on it to transfer our sin cut his head off and then give it to the priest and, you know, and then be involved in the whole process of this blech that we're going on. Um, uh, we're to be thankful for what Jesus has done for us. And I think that it's easy for us to get so busy that we don't take a few minutes every day and just thank God for who he is and for what he's done and for his goodness in our lives, you know, he's he's the one that gives us breath and, and life, and 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 uh, you know provides for us food and clothing and and uh, you know rain and sunshine and sky and space and earth and moon and stars and the things that we enjoy down here and our ability to think and reason and um, you know technology and and progress and dreams and hopes and love and joy and salvation and peace and deliverance and that he's with us in the midst of the things that we go through and, and the victory over, you know, sin and, and, and death and, and evil and, and that, um, and yet, uh, it's very normal for believers to sort of go through a day and not even stop to think about what they're thankful for. If you've been with us for any, any time, you know I, I talk about this all the time because I always have the, I, and I have hand signals so you don't forget, right? So you're supposed to be thankful for five things and encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. And I put those in there and they're all over the place and we have websites and we have things that we do. And I, I have a whole, there's a whole website where people are supposed to go and be, think about what they're thankful for and put that in there and or go and read what other people are thankful for. Um, the whole idea was, that you get in the habit of starting your days thankful. That it should be the, like the first thing you do is, is that, you know, as you wake up and, you know, I don't know how you wake up, you know, in the morning. For some of you, it's, it's good, good morning, Lord. And for some of you, it's good Lord, it's morning. But whatever it is, you should move quickly into being thankful. Because when you're thankful, everything... Moves differently throughout your day, um, and and so when you start thinking about what you're thankful for, uh, it will change your attitude throughout the day, and it really helps you keep your focus on the Lord. If you sort of wake up and immediately just begin to process your problems, and situations and circumstances without being thankful, they'll consume you as well. So, for me, you know, it's it's always been, let's start with what we're thankful for. And there's always something to be thankful for. Even in the hardest days, even in the midst of the hardest times, when you stop, you can always think of something to be thankful for. I mean, even if you have to get back to, well, Lord, thank you that you're my Savior and that I know that I have life with you forever. And even in the midst of this circumstance, I know that you're good and I don't get it, but 
I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for what you've done. I'm thankful for your promises. I'm thankful for eternity. I'm thankful. And, and it will change your attitude. And so um, this, this first, this second of these offerings, remember there's five sort of major offerings that, that in Leviticus really sort of picture the believer's life and walk with the Lord. The, the burnt offering, you know, which we talked about last week, made every morning and every evening um, by the priest on behalf of the people. There's a sort of constant daily reminder um, that atonement and reconciliation with God was an absolute necessity and that we see in that sacrifice now, um, you know, Jesus uh, Christ, the Lamb of God, um, who was sacrificed as a ransom or atonement for man, um, that we talked about last time we were together, and now this grain offering comes, and the grain offering, and the grain offering was actually um, offered a, on top of the burnt offering and the daily sacrifice for the people every morning and every evening. And so the, the grain offering, it's an act of joy and thanksgiving to, to God. And they were thankful for everything, you know, that, that they'd been experiencing and, um, you know, for their freedom, um, you know, that we, we talked about in the Exodus, um, deliverance from slavery, um, the presence of God in their midst, um, that they were learning to trust Him, uh, His provision for them with the, with the manna and the quail and water and um, all of these things, you know, deliverance um, in, in, in the Red Sea. They were, they were an, an atonement now that God was making a way to be reconciled with them. And so they were to be thankful for these things and the, and the grain offering had that to do with the, that, that God was, you know, prospering them and would continue to do that. And, and so what they would do in this, they would take some flour, they would pour some oil on it, put incense upon it, and, and the oil was a, was a symbol of, uh, you know, anointing the grain, setting it apart for the use of God. The incense, when it was burned off, was a symbol of the believer's praise and prayer, ascending to God and being accepted like the smell of a sweet uh, aroma. So when you, when, you know, incense, when we know when we read in Revelation, it's, it's like the, the praises uh, of the people of God being sent up to heaven, and that's how he receives your prayer and your praise as incense, as a sweet aroma to him. And that this idea of thankfulness runs throughout the Scripture. Um, you know, uh, Psalm 100, probably one of the ones that most people know, verse 4, you know, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, be thankful, and bless his name. Or one we use here all the time, Philippians 4, uh, 6 and 7, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's something about our uh, moving into the presence of God with thanksgiving that really makes a difference in our hearts and lives. Now, uh, another thing in, in this chapter is um, a, a person had some choices to make about how they were going to prepare the grain offering, which is, which is kind of interesting. Um, and sometimes maybe they wouldn't have time to do any of these things. So there was a, a, a way, you know, in the beginning there, if, let's just say they, they were just, just needed to rush into the presence of God and, and rather than prepare, they could go in with, you know, like a raw sort of flour offering, and that could happen. But um, it's interesting when you read it that it could be baked in an oven, it says. Um, either, either cakes or wafers could be baked, or it could be cooked on a griddle, uh, in verse 5, or it could be cooked in a pan. And uh, I thought that was interesting. You know, why would, why would it? Why, why, 
why would there be so many choices of how it was going to be cooked? Um, and, and, and again, so I think the first thing is that th these opportunities were there in case that someone just felt this immediate need and they wanted to go to the presence of God and there wasn't time for the, um, you know, cooking things. But they, they might have had one of these things already cooked that they could have taken in or they could go in with some raw flour in the process. But the other thing, I think, is that the, the reason that a person had a choice in preparing it because um, whenever we're making an offering to the Lord, He always wants the very best we can offer. And, uh, and so if a person's best was prepared through breaking, baking, then the grain offering would be baked. If the person's best was going to happen in a, in a, in a griddle, um, then, you know, that's how it was to be presented. Or if it was in a pan, then they were to, you know, cook that way. And, and so they were to take their very best and present that to the Lord. And I think that's interesting because, I, if, you know, those of you that cook here, some of you are probably better bakers than others, and some are better, uh, you know, whatever, griddlers. <laughs> uh, or, you know, barbecuers or whatever. You, you know, but um, it, was, it, was, it was the idea was in response and our thankfulness, we were to take some time and think about how we were going to present that back to the Lord. And so, you know, I, I think it's important that um, we think about being thankful and what that means and that it becomes a part of our life in the process. And that uh, it's an actual, you know, it's an offering. It's a thanks uh, offering, and it's pleasing to the Lord. God wants you to know, uh, wants to know that you're thankful. And it's just so helpful, I think, for us to start that way. And it, being thankful moves into this next offering as well which is called the, uh, that we read about in chapter 3, which is the fellowship offering or the peace offering. And um, why this is so important is um, peace is sought after by people. And I think we are in a time culturally where everything is so busy and moving so quickly all the time that most people don't experience much peace in their lives. That, that um, I have a thought that when things didn't move quite as quickly, that it might have been easier to find a little more peace than it is for us today. Not that, that peace is unattainable. I, I believe it certainly is. But I think we have to pursue it. And that our, our society has trained us to not be at peace. And so we're, we're, at, we're restless. We're... Uh, if, if, if we don't have three or four things happening at once, it almost feels like something's wrong. And we have to, we have to teach ourselves to step back just a little bit. Um, you know, and now we've, the next generation, they're all multitaskers. You know, I, re I remember the, when my kids were teenagers and the, and the instant messaging thing on the computers was just sort of coming out. And uh, that I walked into my daughter's room one time and she had six conversations going on on her screen. And I'm like, how can you have six conversations? She was <laughs> but and it's just multitasking. It's just they do that. We, you know, we sort of had to catch up. We get thrown into that. I, I get in these text groups sometimes now and I get frustrated because I'm like, who's sending me that? And why do they make the phone stop going ding 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 as everybody responds. Um, but we've everything is quicker now, right? And even at my house, I have I don't have one computer monitor, I have two. And uh, I'll often have more than one thing going on. 
and you know, and then something else is happening, and so um, we we're just sort of bombarded with things happening to us, and um, it makes it difficult for people to be settled and satisfied, and and we spend a lot of life sort of looking down the road at what we think is going to come. You know, well, when that happens, you know, if that happens, then I'm going to be at rest. And there's a time coming when I'll be able to relax. And, um, you know, well, later on, then, then I'll, I'll have some peace in my life. But now it's got to be this big sort of mess. And, you know, we live in a, in a, in a world where we're, we're so aware of all the negative stuff that happens. That it's, and it's constant. Um, you know, both locally and nationally and globally, and it, it's just a constant sort of stream. So um, I, I think for most people, their souls are at, not at rest. And, and so what we desperately need is the peace of God in our lives. We need His presence. We need His purpose. We need His rest. We need His comfort. We need His satisfaction, His fulfillment, His confidence, His assurance. And all of those things come from fellowship and, and peace with God. And the, the, the two types of peace that God gives. The, the first one, and you have to have this one to have the second one, is a peace with God. And, and peace with God is, is when we um, realize that our sin has separated us from a perfect holy God. I'm doing my thing again. And, and we get back into relationship with God in Christ. And, and then we understand, you know, what Jesus has done for us and how he's paid for our sins and how he went to the cross on our behalf and defeated death there. And that when we, you know, um, confess with our mouths and believes in our heart as our Lord and Savior, that, that you know, in that, then we, we become reconciled to God and he no longer sees, he sees us in the perfection of his son, not in our mess. And so we're at peace with God. Our relationship is restored and we're at peace with God. And, and really, that's sort of what was happening in that chapter 1 in the, in the, in the burnt offering. It was a way to be reconciled to God. And, and then in, in this, um, off, you know, what we're talking about now, so we, once we can experience the peace um, with God, we can begin to experience the peace of God. And the peace of God begins to sort of fill our spirits and settle on our hearts. And, and you know, we, we, we can spend time in His presence and... We, we are able to experience more and more of Him. And the idea throughout our lives is making sure that we are doing all that we can to spend that time with God, to develop a, um, you know, the, the brother once called the practice of His presence, that we're, we start making time to become aware of His presence, and we start making time to make it a priority, that we, we, we're moving, you know, in that way with, with prayer and and with um, reading the Word, and with fellowship, and with the things that we do, that it takes a priority in our lives so that we experience more and more of um, this, this peace in our lives. And the offerings that were presented in, in this case were, um, again, you know, sort of pictures of um, understanding that Jesus makes this possible. Um, and so they, they, they were an offer. Um, this, this fellowship offering, which was a, a picture of their desire to be more and more connected to the Lord. Um, and so um, they had to offer an animal without defect. There, there was four different types of animals that they could do. They could do a bull or, or a cow or a lamb or a goat. And all of them sort of have 
you know, slightly different things that they symbolize, but the idea is the same. And they have to do the same thing. They, they would have to bring the animal, put their head, hand on the animal, which, you know, was an indication that they, they knew of their own mess, transferred the animal, animal was slaughtered, and all these things were happening. And, and, um, and so they identified with the animal in the process, and um, the animal was then sacrificed for them as a substitute for their sin. Um, and we understand, again, it's all this picture of how we are reconciled to God um, so that we can be at peace with Him. And uh, a priest was involved in this, appointing Jesus our great high priest. And that the end result of this whole process was this sweet aroma that was pleasing to the Lord. It's a, it's a picture, again, of our prayer and our praise and our, our hanging out with God. And that uh, it was a picture of their willingness to do whatever it took to um, experience fellowship with God, the peace of God, which is more important than anything else. And so, um, you know, even today, we need to make sure we understand how important it is to, to be connected to Him and to do our part in the process. He's already done His part. And, and um, to not let the busyness of the world sort of steal away from us the reality of how important it is for us to be connected to God in a very real way and that we we set aside time for that in our daily lives and and not let that get sort of stripped away from us which is very easy to do and um, and so that's kind of these offerings that, uh, that we've seen so far and we're going to talk about more when we get back together next week but I think it's enough to sort of think about for today and uh I'm going to end it there. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Appreciate you doing that. If you need prayer, you can go to the website. There's a prayer page. Type in your prayers. We will pray for you. And uh, we'll see you soon. Come and visit us.